Hello and welcome on in episode number 54 of the Wise Guys Podcast. I'm John Tortorelli with my co-host Brendan Capazillo and Justin Wright. Justin is on the top today and Brandon is on the bottom. We've got the Steelers in the background. They're up against the Colts. The Colts have one first down so far. The Steelers have, what is this, 13, 14? I don't know. What I do know is the Steelers are bad before and seven. How are you guys doing today? I tried to tell them. I tried to tell them. They called me crazy. They called me a lunatic. Brandon scoffed at the thought of this. The Raiders went into Seattle and took down the 12th man in overtime. Just like I said, just like I predicted my lock of the week, the Raiders going into Seattle and pulling out a W. And they did it. So I'm feeling great, guys. I'm feeling great. But now Justin is one and one in his locks of the week the past two weeks. Great job being 500. Uh, Who was my lock of the week last time? <clears throat> Giants? Yeah, it was the Giants, wasn't it? No, no, no. I don't think it was. It was one of the games you lost. Bears you or lost. Falcons? Was I think it was Bears. I think it was Bears. Yeah. 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 So I mean, come on. I mean, I'm you ain't gonna good. kill my high. You ain't gonna kill my high, buddy. You can't kill my high. Trust me on that. Mm-hmm. I'm flying higher than all three of us combined. I'm forgetting my lock of the week, and <sighs> Justin, you did tell us, you did, that the Raiders would win, and I didn't believe you. But I have to tell you guys, I'm always a fan of an underdog. I'm always a fan of somebody that has something to prove. And one of the coolest stories in sports this this year in football is Josh Jacobs. Coming into this season, the player, former first-round draft pick, highly touted running back out of Alabama, the pedigree is there. The production was always good, but he wasn't a top-10 back. So far this season, it feels like Jonathan Taylor and Josh Jacobs have completely switched uniforms. And Jacobs so far this year has been a top five back in the NFL. Number one, yards per carry, career high, over five yards per carry, and I meant yards per from scrimmage. Leads the NFL this year, 1,400. That's a career high for him, and we're just 12 games in. So, Jay Ray, let's talk about these Raiders. An overtime win, an emotional one at that on the road in Seattle. What did you see that uh, maybe reinvigorates some hope into your initial Raiders prediction? Honestly, the one thing that I've seen all season from the Raiders is at least fight they don't give up every single game they're fighting every for every tooth and nail uh i've said it before on this show and i'll say it again i think they're a much better team than what their record actually shows they've been in these games they haven't been getting smacked around they they could easily have been a playoff team they could have a winning record if just a couple of plays go their way uh weeks ago i picked them to go into arrowhead and beat the beat the chiefs and Damn, they almost, they damn near almost did it. You know, this team, while we can laugh about Josh McDaniels all we want, uh, they do have leaders in that room. They do have Devontae Adams. They do have Derek Carr. Those are seasoned veterans that people look look up to when you're in a locker room. So the Raiders do have, from last season, they they had some kind of, I don't know, I'm trying to come up with the right words, but, you know, they were building something. 
they looked like they were on to something much better. And, and obviously they took a step back, but wins like this one going into Seattle and proving everybody wrong and, and squeezing out that win just goes to show you maybe their season isn't over. There are some winnable games. Maybe they can be playing for something at the end. Uh, while it won't be easy, I'm I'm just going to say the Raiders have, have a schedule that I think – Like last year's Niners? It's more than possible. Why don't we go over their schedule? Let's see. Next week, the Raiders are taking on the Chargers. The Chargers haven't been blowing anybody out the water. That's a winnable game. Where is that game? healthier. Mike Williams. Okay. You know, the receiver position of them is always an injury-prone one. I can see the Raiders win that game. Is it at home? Yep, home game. I think I lean the Raiders. So if you're leaning the, the Raiders there, I guarantee both of you guys will pick the Raiders the next week. When they no, take but on. I would – I'm picking the Chargers to beat the Raiders. Well, my, my point is winnable football games. These are games that you wouldn't be surprised if the Raiders squeezed out. Okay, yeah, but we've been saying that all season, and this is where they stand. That's what we're saying, though. That that That's what the Raiders are. They are that team that is this close, but they just don't have – whatever it is to get him over the edge, whether that be a head coach, a good defense, they just don't have that. I mean, Hunter Renfro's out, Darren Waller's out. What do the Chargers have? They still, Justin Herbert is more yeah. believe, is believed in more than Derek Carr. Yeah, and what have they done for the last 20 years with elite quarterbacks? Wasted them. So far this year, Mike Williams, sure, Keenan Allen comes back, now Williams is out. And you need both those two guys. Nasir Adelaide and a couple of other players you don't have Rashawn Slater. Corey Lindsley's out as well. This Chargers team, a lot of it's bad luck, a lot of it's the head coach, and I think the biggest factor of it all is injuries. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's very easily uh, Vegas for me. Yeah, Next week, the same, I yeah but they're in the same boat. They're in the same boat. They really are in the same boat. It's just everybody here, I believe, believes in Justin Herbert more. I believe in Josh Jacobs a lot. I think he's legitimately Austin Eckler ain't no slouch. You're right. None, neither one of them are slouches, but I think the – the one thing to point out, and who's like got the... said, they're the same. Two wins separate them. Okay, not by much. Both teams can compete. And I don't really think they're uh, the Chargers are that much better than the Raiders. Yeah, but also, also in Arizona, I would say the Chargers have a better defense. I, I think. I mean, they have Khalil Mack, Derwin James, Asante Samuel Jr. Those are some okay, games I, I playmakers. They have players and a defensive-oriented head coach who has been average. But nobody's arguing that, though. He should be maximizing that group on. I mean, yeah, they're still thin in run defense. Cr- we're, we're and yet they got stars, but it's not like this defense is winning them games in the ways people like you thought they would come into the season. Yeah, a, a yeah. lot of people did, not just me. But we're not arguing two great teams going at it. We're, to, we're oh, This guy's drinking his freaking cup. I can't take him seriously. <laughs> All right. Um. We're, we're talking about two teams that have massively disappointed. So nobody's going to argue, like, what these teams' like flaws are. We're, we're just matching them up together. And I'm saying, I think we're all in agreement, the Chargers have a better defense, whatever that means. No, do they you, not, John? Right. Do you have an argument with that? Like, do you really think the Raiders' defense is better than the Chargers' defense? It doesn't defense? say much, but Max Crosby can win you games the same way. Some of the stars like Duran James can. Yeah, but they have more stars. That's my point. They have more stars. That's not really moving the needle this year. Nobody's arguing. Nobody's arguing that we're matching them up against each other. 
So that's what I'm saying. I'm arguing that the Chargers have a better team, and I think we all believe in Justin Herbert more. And I just think the Chargers can pull out that game. It's not like they're slouches. They've been they only no. lost the Chiefs by what? How many points this year? Joey Bryce is out. He's been out though, and they still were almost lo- beat the Chiefs. They lost by three points, and they just beat the Cardinals. That's not saying much, but again, the Cardinals are kind of in the same boat with the Chargers and Raiders. But the Chargers are six and five. That's what they can go against. Go ahead, Justin. At the end of the day, I really, I think we can all agree the Chargers, albeit a better team, are not that much better than the Raiders, which is why I can say I wouldn't be surprised if the Raiders win. Their next game on their schedule would be the Rams. Okay. That's a win. Then a tough one. They fl- they play the Patriots. They're going to lose that game because but of the, they're going to lose that game. It's a winnable game. And then you got the Steelers, and then you end the season. They have a brutal final two games of the season. Uh, they ha- they run into the 49ers, and then they run into the Chiefs. They're going to lose two straight games. I see three guaranteed losses on that record. I think they could beat the Chiefs. If you guys don't know, as a Steeler fan, I can tell you, the Steelers never beat the Raiders at home, ever. And that game on Christmas Eve is where they're retiring Franco Harris's number. The day is about him. And it's almost like, to me, the price Steeler fans have to pay for the Immaculate Reception is that now they just can't beat the Raiders at all. You know, it's been 50 years almost. It's been over 50 years. And it's going to be the anniversary. Uh, it's insane thinking about now. Because I've, since I became a football fan, it's one of the, like, the, the most well-documented plays. It's probably the greatest play in Steelers history. And I feel like for the Raiders, they're going to come into Heinz Field and win that game. Uh, I think Josh Jacobs, Jonathan Taylor's not chewing us up right now, but... You can make a case for Josh Jacobs' Offensive Player of the Year. And he hasn't had a consistency week to week, but, I mean, he just had 300-plus yards on, you know, a Seahawks defense that's shown signs this year. I mean, that was an all-world ex- uh, like That was an experience of sorts. The stiff arm on that one D-tackle, and this year he's just played more burst. And I think for this Raiders offense to have Devontae, Mr. Reliable on third down, Waller coming back, and then most of all, Jacobs, I mean, there's Steelers get in the end zone? No, they didn't. There are so many different players in this Raiders offense that can beat you. And honestly, I do think they have more than enough talent to start cheering wins together in ways they couldn't start the season. Hey, back-to-back wins. Now's the time to get rolling. Now the comment, cap. Now, am I going to question my Seahawks pick that they go to the Super Bowl or go to the NFC Championship game? It's been it's a rough happening. few weeks for them. They have their bye week. And I'll be honest with you guys, I'm not going to jump the gun. I still think the Seahawks are a safe, are they a safe wildcard team? I think they're going to win nine or 10 games still. They have six wins right now. The Buccaneer game took them to the second half to wake up. When they did, they outperformed Tampa Bay. And Tampa's played better with a healthy Julio. As this game versus the Raiders, look, they just got dominated 2.8 yards a carry. It's one thing, right? If you're going to run the ball all over the Seahawks, it's another. If you're going to shut down the run and beat them at their own game, the Raiders won the time possession battle shortly. They're 8-14 on third down. And I feel like Derek Carr this year has not been anywhere near the level he was last season. But with the ability, I mean, just talk about star talents. Max Crosby can win you a game. That huge sack on third down overtime helped him set up that game-winning touchdown by Josh Jacobs. I look at this Raiders team. Daniel Carson missed that cl- crutch, clutch 56-yard field goal. I'm talking a million words a second. But Carlson's another one of those kickers I believe in to win you a game. So I'm starting to slowly buy into these Raiders. Slowly but surely. It's not because of Josh, Josh McDaniels. 
but you 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 this is this is my problem with John, right? This is my fundamental 303 problem. Three hundred three yards. No, this is my fundamental problem with John. What player? Oh God, he <laughs> New Orleans Saints. Uh, countless other teams, and Pittsburgh now Steelers. now the Raiders. No, no, no. Now the Raiders. You, you'll see my. There, there's a correlation there, right? Both teams have bad head coaches, but yet, but yet. Mike McCarthy. Like, is, does Mike McCarthy, I think, clears both those head coaches easily? He's not that good, but he clears both of them, right? Dennis Allen and Josh McDaniels. I wouldn't say McCarthy clears, but yes, I would prefer him over Dennis Allen. Okay, then he clears. <laughs> he clears. So. Th- that's all I got to say. That's my fundamental problem is that, like, that's your problem with the – but you believe in these teams, but the Cowboys with their talent, and they've got great coordinators. Kellen Moore uh, – I wouldn't call Kellen Moore great, but Dan Quinn is great. He messes up from time to time not playing Micah where he needs to be playing Micah, but Edge. for the most part, he has done a great job with that Dallas Cowboys defense. But that's my fundamental problem with you, John. My final, my fundamental problem with you, Cap, is it's that it takes you too long to jump on the gun. And Josh Jacobs is becoming a superstar before our very own eyes. I'm out. I'm and calling. You're say, I'm out. I'm you see it for a flag. longer stretch of time. Nope. We're seeing Josh Jacobs dominate when he gets the football. Can I throw a flag, please? John, you're Mr. Editor, right? You clearly said last episode when uh, – I called you out on your Daniel Jones take that you never said that you edit the show. You would have heard you say that you said that you did say that. And then you reiterated it on Instagram by saying easily would take him as a franchise guy. So again, fundamental problem. You flip flop back and forth. You said before the season, I would love for you to remember this episode. When we ranked the running backs coming into the season, actually JQ was on that episode. Actually, if I'm not mistaken, Look at that memory. Steel trap over here like a goddamn elephant. I was the one who brought Josh Jacobs' name up. Nobody else did. Everybody forgot about him. That is true. Yeah, you didn't even want to consider him a top 15 back. You were questioning when I brought him up. You said, top 15, Brand. that's a little. And, and then you kind of went into it and was like, no, nah, Brandon, you're right. He is definitely top 15. And I was arguing he's borderline top 10, number 11. He's right there. So, again, jumping on the bandwagon, I would say you're wrong again. But he's gotten better this season. We're yeah, he is. I'm not arguing personally, that. Nobody's arguing that. And but... now he's playing at the level of a Nick Chubb almost. I mean, he's taking over games and single-handedly yeah. making the Raiders lane. You have to pay him. He's playing out of this <laughs> world. And one step beyond that, yes, you are right about Josh Jacobs. But hey, look, I'm going to say how it is. And after last season, Josh Jacobs was an average starting running back. Now he's oh, taking yeah. his game to an elite level. And honestly, a lot of those running backs that had ahead of him, like a Joe Mixon, a Najee Harris, those guys this year have massively underperformed, and I now look at them as guys I kind of overrated based off of the reputation and brand image around them. Whereas Jacobs, no, he is doing this without one of the best offensive lines. And like I said before, I mean, that game versus Seahawks, it, he was unstoppable. And that Seahawks defense this year has not been bad the last month and a half. Well, they didn't do that good against the Buccaneers against the run. Rashad White, that was his coming out game. It took him until the second half to wake up. I'm not going to hold against them. Still took an L. 
Talking about else, guys, I told you guys a few weeks ago the Packers season was over, and he said until they're officially eliminated from the postseason, we're not going to say we should bench Aaron Rodgers. And then last night on Sunday Night Football, primetime, Jalen Hurts, guys, wins a primetime game against one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, and that Packers team, in the second half, they lose Aaron Rodgers. And so who comes in? None other than Jordan Love. And Jordan Love showed in the second half. What he can do with the arm strength and all-around tool set he has, or skill set, with a bunch of a bunch of tools. Did he show us anything? Yeah. I thought it looked pretty good. L let's be honest. The touchdown pass that everybody is glowing about. Christian Watson was wide open. He was, and he hit him. Christian Watson did the rest of the work. He just it was, put it, he put the ball yeah. where it needed to be. That was it. It's definitely more catch uh, yards after catch than, you know. Yeah, I, I wasn't, you know, I, I get where you're going because you've been, you know. That's his boy, Justin. That's his boy. Love for That's a his while boy. Now. And, you know, I knew when I saw that game, I was like, John's going to go crazy about this guy, Jordan Love, after that. I didn't see nothing. Yes, it was nice to see him complete a pass because, I mean, the last time we saw him against the Kansas City Chiefs, it, it was. You know, a debacle. But right now, I mean, yeah, it looked like he, he had improved. And we saw that in the preseason, too. But let, let's pump the brakes. This isn't the, the second coming of Aaron Rodgers, you know? Here, here's number, what I... Number 12 is still on the team. He I made a few remember. awesome throws. Are you the one to Randall Cobb in the, in the end zone that was a defensive pass interference, splitting a double team across his body. Very nice throw. Yeah, another down the boundary. Jordan Love made very good throws. And keep in mind, Jay Ray, this is up against one of the best, arguably the best, secondary in football. And so for him to come in with virtually no experience before this matchup and a look at as good as he was in the second half, helping them get back into that game a little bit closer when he came back when they were down two scores, Aaron Rodgers seems on track to play versus the Bears, coming off his oblique slash ribs injury. Dude, it's straightforward to me. I need to know how good Jordan Love is. And to answer that question, I need to give him opportunity. We saw yesterday he can make so many throws, wow throws. He can extend plays with his legs. You could use him in quarterback keepers and nakeds. You can do a lot of different things with him as a runner and thrower of the football. And I felt like coming out of the 2020 draft, he was a top three prospect. And now three years later, we'd look at that as one of the best draft classes for quarterbacks in recent memory. What are you doing? Joe Burrow, amazing. Justin Herbert, transcendent. And then after those two guys, Jalen Hurts this year and Tua Tunga-Vailoa, and their third years in the NFL. What are we seeing from those two guys? Took them about two years as starters to come into their own. And now, those are two guys. They're on the outskirts of the MVP race. They're winning games, and they're elevating their teams. They're assets. I felt like Jordan Love was a better quarterback prospect than each of those two guys. He's capable of much more as a thrower. And for any young quarterback, it's not about what you're capable of. It's how you can read the field and process what defenses are thrown out there against you. And so for Jordan... You're not going to learn that by looking at a tablet and iPad on the sidelines. You're going to figure that out by going out there. And so for you two guys to say, he didn't show you enough in practice, and you're going to bring up the reference of Patrick Mahomes backing up Alex Smith. Here's the difference. Jordan Love is sitting behind the reigning back-to-back -back MVP. The guy the Packers just gave a Kane's ransom to because after they drafted Jordan Love, Aaron Rodgers played at one of the highest levels we have ever seen for a quarterback. And so for an organization that doesn't have an order like Jim Merced. It's going to step in and lay the fist down. Of course, they're going to stick with Aaron Rodgers. This guy's won them a Super Bowl. They've been to the playoffs year in and year out with him, winning 13 games. 
Why would you deviate from that when you're in love as an inexperienced quarterback that ultimately is going to make you worse? Why? Because he's not already a freaking Hall of Fame quarterback. But can Jordan Love be a very good quarterback in the NFL? No questions asked. And it's befuddling to me that after a couple preseason games and a couple picks in the preseason, we can just say Jordan Love is not the guy. And you know what? If he can't beat out Aaron Rodgers, I mean, who are the Packers doing? It's a terrible pick. I got to ask you guys something. Brandon, uh, please be the Packers for me. Okay? You're the Packers. Yeah. I want you to understand this, John. I want you to understand the risks of actually benching Aaron Rodgers. If he's healthy enough, you're going going out there to bench him to start Jordan Love to see how good he is. Now, if he's terrible, okay, if he's terrible, you bench Aaron Rodgers those last four games of the season. Best believe you're going to leave some uh, a, some sour grapes there. It's not going to end pretty. Aaron Rodgers is not going to be happy about that. You guys went out there, drafted a quarterback, knowing I was full and well, healthy enough to stick around, and then he sits behind me on the bench. I win two MVPs. Okay, I have a rough year this year. Why? Because the team didn't invest into the talent around me. So you're going to risk throwing away a top five quarterback of all time that's still playing at an all-pro level, that still can play at an all-pro level, just to see what Jordan Love may be. And if Jordan Love stinks and he blows up the whole show, the Packers organization is going to look stupid because you know what? Then while Aaron Rodgers is moving on to whatever team is on next, Jordan Love is going to be there or maybe not. And you'll be looking for a quarterback. Quarterbacks, good, great quarterbacks don't grow on trees. It just does not happen. So you're going to risk letting this one go. Your Super Bowl window, shut, done, gone. Not happening. Thank you. It's over. It's shut if you roll with Jordan Love. It's It's already shut, Jay Ray. With Aaron Rodgers. No, it's not. Because if Devontae Adams was still in the fold and if they actually invested in the team with weapons on the outside, if the defense is as elite as they started in the beginning of the season, they can win a Super Bowl. They have. There's a reason they've advanced to the NFC title game so many times over the last couple of years. It's because of 12, and it's because they actually had some solid weapons on the outside with Devontae Adams. Now, without that, we are seeing what the Packers really are. The Packers know after this year, they need to go get 12 some weapons. If you don't, that man is out the door, and forget that. Your GM is probably done to. Your head coach is going to get exposed as a head coach, and he probably will get fired in a couple of seasons because it will go downhill. The only thing holding that organization afloat is Aaron Rodgers. Look, Brian, you hit it. Kind of go off. I'm I'm losing my temper here. Go ahead, Johnny boy. I'll go after you guys. Where do you go? Brandon, am I <sighs> No, I want to hear John. Go, John. John, yes. go. Let it out. This December, Aaron Rodgers turns 39 years old. We can all admit he is closer to the end of his career than he is the beginning. And typically with quarterbacks, you don't know they're done until they're done. We saw with Ben Roethlisberger, it's not like they gradually regress. No, they hit a wall fast. And with the beating that Aaron Rodgers has taken this year, Ken Justin... Ken, J- Aaron, Justin. 
Can Aaron Rodgers play at an all-pro level? Can he win an MVP? Sure. But when you look at what the Seahawks just did this last offseason, when you look at what the Lions did, all these teams, the Falcons, that are stuck in the middle with high-level quarterbacks, you take advantage by trading them when their value will never be higher. Odds are an offseason from now, Aaron Rodgers will be worth less. He's going to be one year older and probably one year closer to retirement. At any minute, he, he can retire this offseason. And so you've invested a first-round pick into a pretty elite, I think, quarterback prospect, B-Cap, the other day you said he wasn't going to be worth the first-round pick. I think either way, he was worth the first-round pick. And so you're going to need to figure out, do we give him this fifth-year extension? Can he be a guy of the future? You need to put yourself in a position of a team that's rebuilding and building for the future. When you took love in the draft, you were preparing because Aaron Rodgers was 36 years old, coming off of one of his worst seasons. So it made sense then. Now in the draft, this offseason, they went out and got Christian Watson. It's taken him 9, 10 weeks to come into his own, but we're seeing last three games. Six TDs. He is coming to his own. Romeo Dabbs is healthy. What's his face? Randall Cobb is healthy as well. Those three receivers, plus Alan Lazard, who can't really catch contested balls, or uh, he's not a very good receiver. I think the receiving core is good enough. With Robert Tunyon back, and for a young quarterback in his third season to not be starting by this time next year, what are we doing? He clearly is capable. He's, he's shown us 6 9 last night, a couple of very good throws. He can be a franchise quarterback. And I think there's no better way for this Packers organization to move forward than trading Aaron Rodgers for a first-round pick, maybe two seconds, and then this, next, this upcoming draft, you've got two firsts, two-thirds maybe, and ultimately, you're going to have way more flexibility in the way you can design this roster. Hopefully, you fire Joe Barry because he's probably the worst DC in football, if not the most disappointing, and then you can move forward with a team that doesn't have the pressure to win. Because the window did close when they traded Devontae Adams, kept Barry as their DC, and last but not least in the draft, didn't find that it, the elite water seer talent for day one. That just really accelerated the issues on the offense. And so now, it's really a no-brainer to me. You have to start this kid in Jordan There's no other option for Green Bay to take that's going to put them in a better position long-term. Okay. So, <clears throat> you both have laid out your arguments. Now, I come at it maybe from a little bit of a different perspective because when I uh, when we talked about it uh, a week or two ago I said you don't start Jordan Love until you're mathematically out of the equation now they're not mathematically technically out they could still win five straight everything would have to go right and they'd be nine and eight but when you really look at it and you consider it like what are what is that really getting you you know what I mean what is that really getting you it's not really getting you a top draft pick you're not getting the best draft pick you can get and you're going to get bounced in the first round anyway my thoughts have changed on benching rod benching rogers it's not really a bench it's more of a, a sit -em because you want to see what this kid has and you want to save rogers from taking any unnecessary punishment and that's where that's where it all starts with me he had the broken thumb fractured thumb whatever you want to call it but now he's got two more injuries the oblique and the ribs that's not good and if we all remember, Aaron Rodgers was known as more of one of the frailer quarterbacks uh, for the past uh, decade, from like 2010 to 2020. He was known as a frail quarterback. He would get injured. Um, so I'm not taking that risk. For that reason alone, I would start uh, uh, Jordan Love. Uh, I'm taking into consideration that he is dealing with those three injuries, and I'm saying, Rodgers, it's not worth it. Let's sit you down. You can rest up go into the offseason, and we'll discuss everything from there. Now, getting to the offseason, 
I was saying all last offseason, I was saying you should probably trade Aaron Rodgers. Okay, because I think Rodgers doesn't have the Packers don't have what it takes for him to lead an, uh, a Super Bowl championship team anymore. But then that that ship sailed. So now it's going on to this offseason. I don't know what the contracts are like, you know, dead money. If he gets traded, what's the dead money? Is it an insane amount? Whatever, the, whatever the fact. But I have said this and this still remains true. This all goes through Aaron Rodgers. He's deciding. He holds all the cards in this situation. Everything. If he wants to play for the Packers, he's playing for the Packers. If he wants to retire, he's going to retire. If he wants to go play for another team, he's going to get traded and go and play for another team. Everything is going to go through Rodgers. So what he says go, goes. All right. If, they, if he says uh, jump, they say how high. That's how it's going to go in Green Bay right now. What I would do is probably look for the best trade because of what John laid out. You can get a King's ransom for an Aaron Rodgers. There's a team, there's teams out there that believe they are a quarterback away that would trade away three, four years into the future for three to four great years of an Aaron Rodgers and a chance at a Super Bowl. It's not similar to what the Broncos did because they didn't have to trade. But with Peyton, they went with it. All right. And sometimes it looks at it, 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 it Hits on both sides, like with the, the Colts and Broncos. If Luck doesn't retire, we all know where, where the Colts are. We all know they're Super Bowl contenders. We all know that. So both teams won in that situation. They got their quarterback of the future that was on track to be a Hall of Famer, and the Broncos got two Super Bowl championships out of it. It, it can work out. Those don't hop, happen very often, but I would probably go with talking with Aaron Rodgers and trading, but everything goes to Rodgers. And I don't know what goes to Rodgers' heads because he's one of those wildcats that, you know, walks to the beat of his own drum. So who knows what's going on in Aaron Rodgers' head. I agree with you. You would be able to get a first-round pick, no doubt, for Rodgers. Would he get multiple firsts? I don't think so. Just because of the uncertainty as to, like you said before, he's only six foot two. I think maybe we view him as a quarterback a little bit bigger. He's older, not the biggest. And, I mean, I think Rodgers has about two more years before he just decides to retire. And for the Packers, it, like I said before, is the smart move to make just because you've tried this out for a while, and it's best for Aaron, clearly, because he's not winning a Super Bowl in, in Green Bay. We can all agree. Yeah. If he goes to New York next season, I think with that Jets defense and the weapons developing, who knows what Bruce Hall is going to look like, they could go to the AC Championship game. And from there, they're a contending team. They can make a run just like the Bengals did. So... That, to me, is the – I mean, could you imagine a Rodgers in New York? It sounds crazy. That seems like the most likely team to go out there. We talked about this. If there's any other teams specifically you guys prefer, let me know. I mean, San Fran is always out there because of the connections. Um, yeah. I, 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 what, what were you going to say? Which team? I was going to say my top three would be the Jets, the Raiders, and the 49ers. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. I mean, the Raiders, I'd be a little weary because their defense is pretty trash, and Josh McDaniels is not a very good head coach. But Rodgers just showed he can take a below average or an average head coach and carry him. But, yeah, I, I just want to say I, I do still believe Aaron Rodgers is a top-three quarterback in this league. Like, I think the thumb is in, in, um, uh, uh, hampering his throws. I think if the thumb wasn't there, he'd be still playing at an MVP level. I don't think he's falling off the cliff anytime soon, in my opinion. I agree with you. Now, talking about a quarterback that is hitting his upward scale, the upward trajectory, it is 
Mr. Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville. Justin, you told me coming to this season, this Jaguars team could make a bid for second place in the AFC South. And I'm going to ask you guys, on Sunday, I didn't catch the full game, but I saw the ending. What was your initial reaction to Trevor Lawrence's first big-time comeback victory and that crucial two-point conversion to take the W in Jacksonville? Listen, you guys called it last week. I, I was the one that was against the Jaguars winning. Uh, you guys called it, so I'll give you guys credit there. But, man, shouts out to fourth quarter Trevor Lawrence for finally showing up because all season, that's where the woes have been. You know, it's been in the red zone. It's been in the fourth quarter. And the dude showed up. I think the Jaguars fans got a taste. I think Duval County saw what the number one overall pick was all about. That guy showed up. He, he was a man on a mission taking out a really good Ravens team. Uh, that's a good qu quarterback on the other side there. And you just went toe-to-toe -to -toe with a former MVP. While, yeah, the Jaguars aren't going to be no Super Bowl contender this year or next year, the future is definitely bright. Uh, man, shouts out to really Trevor Lawrence really put that team on his back. That was incredible. What was the stat line? 321. Three tubs. Three yep. No picks. One one fumble. Well, two fumbles. He lost one. 75 QBR. Outplayed Lamar Jackson. Um, so I'm going to say it right now. Trevor Lawrence is a franchise quarterback. All right. This is a real franchise guy. All right. Not the fraudulent Daniel Jones that John thinks. This is a real franchise quarterback right here. And I'm saying it right now. Jacksonville Jaguars are winning the AFC South next year, and they will be a playoff team. Yep, Calvin Ridley's coming in. They're gonna get, uh, I mean, a pretty solid. What, what they're still they're still four and seven, so they're gonna get a top fifteen pick at worst. They're in fine condition, dude. They're in great condition. They got so much young talent. <sighs> I still got some some games to win here. I do tend to agree with you. The next season, second year at Doug Peterson is really where the culture starts to shift, and we see kind of the toolage of a real head coach nurturing. And most of all, you get a player like Calvin Ridley, who is a low-end wide receiver number one. ETN will be healthier. I think the Jaguars offense is a leap. But with that being said, Bren, you just can't sleep on the Titans. We do it every, sing every single season. And it feels like they always prove us wrong. They're 7-4 and four this year. Tough loss at home versus the Bengals the other day. But talking about Trevor Lawrence, this was the epitome of what we were looking for through his first two seasons. And I felt like, like you talked about Justin and Trevor, it's been a matter of turnovers and the fourth quarter of games, he tended to tense up, which is typical for a second year quarterback, especially when you don't have that dynamic playmaker. I think maybe one of the most under talked about themes in this game was Travis Etienne, who's been by far the team's best offensive player this year, leaves the game with a foot injury, doesn't play much. And so it's Michael Hasty taking that lead role. And for Trevor to connect with both of the Joneses, back-to-back -back plays in the final few moments of that game, it really did show that for the Jaguars moving forward, if you can surround Trev with the right talents and really improve this offensive line the way they have, making some reinforcements, adding some guys in free agency, we're looking at a quarterback that'll be definitively the best in their franchise history. Like, we've seen some Jaguars runs through the years. Mark Brunel and some of those guys play portals. They can win a playoff game with the team around them. But now we're looking at a quarterback in Jacksonville that can win you the playoff game. And so when you surround him with the talent, 
it changes the whole thing with the, the whole nine yards with an organization to finally have the most important position in the sport. And so moving forward, I think this is one of the better situations in the NFL. Sure, they have some, they're going to have to overpay guys in free but I think in the next five years, we're going to look at this as a place where players would like to play. I think Char is going to be a top 10 quarterback in the next two years. Currently, I have him at number 13. And it's pretty straightforward. You guys are going to keep talking about Trevor. I just really think even after losing on Sunday, you can't keep sleeping on things. I mean, the the question with the Titans is who's their quarterback next year? Is it still Ryan Tannehill? I said going to the season that next year would be Willis. Tannehill is so much better right now. And it's not even – Willis is virtually running back. If, in the if, you go, if you go Malik Willis as your starting quarterback next year, you are not beating this Jacksonville Jaguars team. What if you go Aaron Rodgers next year at quarterback? Oh. Yeah, but like again – I like the way he's throwing to. Trillon Burks has shown the upside. And I think if we're doing this again, we're doing this again. Though. No, you're giving up your first round pick if you're going to get Aaron Rodgers. So that's but, but out you the can window. imagine that if Aaron Rodgers is going to the Tennessee Titans, that that's just the receiver room they're going to leave with him. Yeah, but I what can... else are they going to be able to get? Because they're going to take on his huge contract. Derrick Henry's got a massive contract. They're going to lose their first-round pick. Like, When there's a will, there's a way. If the Rams can do it, if you can sell out for one Super Bowl, do you think yeah, the Titans do it? No, I don't think the Titans would do it. I think that's a different mindset you have to have, and the Rams have that mindset. <laughs> for better or for worse, they have that mindset. The Titans also uh, have yeah. a uh, young stud of a tackle in Chigaconquo. He is a former fourth-round pick who this year has had so many big-time plays, only 200 yards in the season. I think next year, Akonkwu is going to be one of those players who really takes a step forward. Hooper this year also has been pretty good. I feel like with the Titans, they had the foundation. They're going to run the football on an elite level. And so if you replace Tannehill with the quarterback in Rodgers, who's about three tiers above, two tiers above, right, I think it just adds an element with Traylon Burks' playmaking. His profile fits right in line with A.J. Brown. And so if you have a quarterback in here, if you just get one extra receiver in here. I don't know who exactly it is because they're going to have to trade for that guy. I think for Aaron, it would be an amazing situation. The defense with David Long, Jeffrey Simmons, and all those guys in the front seven, they're going to stop the run. The secondary just always finds ways to make it work in spite of all their injuries. And with Mike Vrabel, he's a real head coach. I don't think when you look at, you know, those former Rams and Falcons assistants with McVay, Shanahan, and LaFleur, I think think LaFleur is a fraud. And with Vrabel, if he can maximize Ryan Tannehill, I'm pretty confident with Aaron Rodgers, he could make a run yet again in the AFC. And if the cards align in the Titans' favor, they could go to the Super Bowl. They could. It all depends on Derrick Henry, who on Sunday was shut down by that Bengals defense. I want to talk about it. But for you guys, I mean, I'm going to say, it. I think the number one destination for Rodgers is the Jets, but he hasn't quite fit on their timeline. For the Titans, it does feel like their window's closing. That, to me, would be the second-best option for Aaron Rodgers. I'll be honest. I, I can't see – I don't think the Titans make the move. And if they don't make the move, I, I'm going to back Brandon there and say the Jaguars will win that division. Realistically, have the Titans gotten better or did the division just get worse? I, I really think that's, that's the story of the, the AFC South. The division just got worse. We had the Colts finishing that – we all, I believe, had the Colts winning that division. I think maybe John maybe had had a different had picked the Titans, but 
for all of us, we thought the Colts were a contender, you know? So I think it's just a, a regressed division as the reason why the Titans are playing the way that they're playing. If the Colts were what we thought they were, I think it'd be a different story. And right now the Jaguars seem to be the only team with complete certainty at the most important position in football. All of those teams in the division, what, you have Davis Mills, Matt Ryan, and Ryan Tannehill compared to what Trevor Lawrence brings every Sunday. Uh, they just don't the, match up. The, what, what definitely doesn't match up is the, the futures of all these teams. The future is definitely brighter in Jacksonville, and it doesn't get that, that bright in Jacksonville. It's always cloudy and rainy, but it's bright. It is. It's very ra- rainy and cloudy place. It's not a very good destination place. It's um, still a sunshine state. Yeah, uh, uh, it's in the sunshine state, but it's not a sunshine city. Uh, but, I don't know no, if that's true or not. I've never been in Jacksonville. It, it is. It is true. It's kind of what they're known Trevor for. Trevor going to turn that around. It's going to take him, though, Bran. Well, he's not going to be with the phone. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> this guy, this guy got a direct phone line to Mother Nature. He's going to make a phone call and change the weather. I don't know why you're laughing. For Tennessee, they're a team that drafts pretty well. And I believe, I really do believe, the Traylon Burks pick will pan out for them. And I really do think that Aaron Rodgers could be in Tennessee next year. I know it sounds crazy. They have all their firsts. And if they give up two firsts, Aaron, I think that could be enough. And that would be a lot of fun to watch. Good. Could. could be fun to watch. They got a new stadium being built there soon, too. There you go. Yeah, for one of the smaller markets... I think most NFL fans wouldn't care. But in the AFC, it would put them right in the same tier as the Bengals, ahead of the Ravens, and I think near the level of the Bills, but not quite as good as Buffalo. With all that being said, we have to talk about... Ah, Brandon. Tom Brady losing again to a backup quarterback. This time, Jacoby Brissett. I want to know what happened. I had the Buccaneers beating the Browns. Deshaun Watson has not returned. And against Jacoby Brissett, I felt like for Tampa, seeing what Chris Gowan did against Seattle the other week in Germany, this was when we started to finally pull some wins together. Dude, what happened on Sunday? First off, Jacoby Brissett's last time I checked is not a backup quarterback. He started every game for the Browns this season. Um, so... <laughs> What what re- that, I mean that's a fact. Uh, what happened was the defense let them down, and then Donovan Smith to add insult to injury, I would say basically cost them the game in overtime. Um, what I'm referring to with the defense is not in totality did the defense let them down. It was a single play, fourth and ten, at the. I don't know what, what, what the twelve yard line or something like that. I think it was or whatever. It had to be because it, it wasn't first and goal, uh, f- uh, fourth and goal. I should say. They made two uh, great plays back to back. The defense did. Just kind of is is one play. This is it. And then Devin White gets scored on by David and Joku. Made a great grab. Not taking that away from him. Made a great grab. Then there's thirty two seconds left on the clock. Right. All three timeouts for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You've got Tom freaking Brady under center. 
First play was a dud. I think it was like a check down route to Rashad White. Went one yard. What does Todd Bowles decide to do? I'm not going to take a timeout. Why would I take a timeout? No. Now they got to rush to the line. They get a playoff with, I don't know, like 10 seconds left. It's a deep route to Julio that gets them almost to midfield. Then they take a timeout. I mean, I, 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 that made no sense to me. Then we go to overtime. Brady throws a Hail Mary. It goes incomplete. Bucks get the ball. They're freaking rolling. They're going down the field. Rashad, I mean, you guys want to talk about Tom Brady's lack of arm talent? See the, see the little flicks, Justin? See the flick? See the flick? He still got it. Flicks it off on third and four <clears throat> to Rashad White. Gets about 10 yards. Would have put him past midfield. And what does Donovan Smith do? Illegal hands to the face. 10 yards, back them up, third and 15. They don't get the uh, uh, third down conversion. Punt, and, and then it just it, it just falls about them there. The, 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 the momentum completely dies right there. I guarantee the Buccaneers would have went down and scored a touchdown. I, I just have faith in Tom Brady would have done it. They were moving the ball insanely well. Rashad White just made a big play on third and four. They were going to break the defense's back. The defense would have given up right there. And Donovan Smith just makes a bad throw. And then whatever happened after that happened, I, I really don't care because that 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 those two things were the key. You, you, they, they say all the time, what, three or four plays throughout the game? Lose you the game. Those were two right there that I can point to directly. The fourth and ten and the third and four, illegal hands to the face, completely lost them again. I'm still not out on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I still believe in this team. Oh, another thing. If uh, either of those things don't happen, the fourth and ten and third and four penalty, Tristan Wirfs would still be in the lineup and not be out for three to four weeks. Antoine Winfield would have, wouldn't have gone down in overtime. So now you got to deal with that. All because of one freaking play. What Brandon is alluding to is Tristan Wirfs will be out for the next month with an ankle injury. Yes. Brandon, it's a little bit weird to me. How in a game where the Buccaneers punt nine times, you're mm-hmm. going to put the blame on the defense. I didn't say I said I didn't say in totality though. So you're not listening to what I said. I said on that one play. Did they not have a chance to end the game? Did they not? Did Brady have a lead in the fourth quarter with how much 30, 30 seconds left? Did he not? 17 is 10. That's not on the defense, John. You're really gonna sit stand here and tell me that's not on the defense? They let up a fourth and ten. How would you feel if your Steelers let up a fourth and ten? Well, what would you be blaming? Who would you be blaming? Matt Canada? I would look at both sides of the ball. They didn't play complimentary football. The defense isn't supporting the offense, and the offense isn't supporting the defense. You're not going to be a very consistent football team. John, you're not hearing what I'm saying. None of what happened before means anything on that fourth and ten play. None of it. And if it does to you, then you're a failure as a football player because that shouldn't mean nothing to you because you got to go out every play like it's a brand new play. you got to leave it all in the past. All right, that's why Eli Manning is such a looked at as such a but you can't you can't rock that dude. He throws interceptions, same face. He throws a touchdown, same face. Bill Belichick, same thing. So you're not gonna sit here and tell me that on a fourth and ten play, it wasn't the defense's fault that they didn't get the stop. It's one stop. You stop them there, it's ball game. It's over. You're six and five.
Am I not right? No, because huh? look. In the first 55 minutes of this game, the Buccaneers defense gave up 10 points. That's it. But when you're losing the time of possession battle, because you're 4 of 15 on third down, and you showed early in the first possession, the first drive, Rashad White, 35 yard rush. They got the run game established early, but they didn't stick to the ground game. That's and Tom Brady's like fault, too, right? I'm not blaming this on Brady. I haven't mentioned Brady one time up until this point. That's the thing here. And I've said before, okay. Tom Brady's still a top five quarterback currently, but he's not on a team that's putting him in a position to win a Super Bowl. They've had some semblance of explosiveness and explosive plays, but for Tampa, it's just inconsistency. They're not playing complimentary football. And the worst part about all of this is you've now lost your left tackle in Tristan Wirfs, your right tackle, excuse me. And I think for them, that's really going to hurt them in these next couple of weeks. Really. Question good. then, John. Six games left in the season for the Buccaneers. Is that enough for them to get going? Or you think this is it with this team? They're going to make the playoffs, right? I don't think the Panthers or the Falcons are going to outlast them. I think with nine wins, you'll have enough. And when you look at their schedule on the season, it's up and down. So this upcoming week, on Monday night, you're going to have the Saints at home. Well, they're going to win that game probably, right? The Saints next, give them fits. They do, but, ah, man, I mean, I just – the Saints have been so bad recently. They're going to come out. They're going to come away with that one. They're going to get that one. The following week, you're hosting – or, you're sorry, you're going to San Francisco. Jimmy Garoppolo, Brandon. I mean, you say that's an L, but that's another kind of personal game for Brady. I would imagine he's going to be a little tiny more. I mean, you're not going to fire up Brady anymore, but oh, that, be a little fun. bit more mustard on it. I mean, I could, I could definitely see Justin. You would be surprised if Tom Brady went out there and beat the 49. That, then that, that's what I'm saying. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised, but what I'm saying is, I'm, I'll stick by my guns. I've you will. I understand that. I respect it. The 49ers it, actually played the Saints last week, and it was kind of a dismal game. 13 nothing. Jimmy Garoppolo missed a ton of throws, well in the red zone to Christian McCaffrey. And um, Elijah Mitchell is out again after spraying his MCL, which it's like Elijah Mitchell's a really good player. And he just literally cannot stay healthy. For San Francisco, I favor them in that matchup. I talk about Mitchell's injuries because week one, just one game to the season, I drafted him in fantasy football too. It doesn't make me feel much better. He suffered a right knee sprain. So I, I wish him the best. It, it does stink. With Raheem Mostert had all those injuries through the years. And now we're seeing again, as a matter of who the running back is in San Fran, it's, it's so bizarre to me that none of them can stay healthy. And now they're investing a second, a third, a fourth, almost a king's ransom for running back Christian McCaffrey, who's not exactly the epitome of durability. Next game up, the Buccaneers hosting the Bengals on December 18th, 425. I think Cincinnati wins that game with DJ Reader back in the mix. I do. Yeah. That was a game that I pegged when I said the Bucks were going to go 6-1 and one down the stretch, that, that they were going to lose that game. Obviously, my thoughts on that have changed because they just lost to the Cleveland Browns. They can win. I'm going to favor Cincinnati, but, I'm again, I'm not going to ever count out Tom Brady. That's what I will have to say. And we just sat here, and John sure. just sat here we, and talked about how. Radius. We do. Yeah, and and we and he just sat here and talked about how great that defense can play. So, it's 
Wait. Okay, now you're going to flip-flop again. See what Last I mean, three games for the Buccaneers. Arizona on the road on Christmas Day. That's a sneaky – I think that really is a trap going, game. Okay. The could have tough game. I, I truly believe they're going 3-0 down the stretch. Yeah, I mean, the last three, three games, games Arizona on the road, the Panthers week 17 at home, and then the Falcons week 18 to be dated what time that is on the road. I think for the Bucks, they lose against back-to-back games for the 49ers and Bengals, right? So they'll be 5-8. and eight. And then, like Brand said, they'll win those last three games. Maybe, let's say, they beat the 49ers, but they lose to the Panthers. I don't see them getting 10 wins this year. With all that being said, in the postseason, with Tampa Bay's inconsistency this year and the lack of durability in the receiver room, we don't know what Julio's going to look like in the postseason. Do you guys think the Buccaneers actually have a chance to make it out the first round and make things interesting here in a wide-open NFC? It feels like, to me, a little bit of this year in the Western Conference. We thought it was going to be an insane, loaded look outlook at teams in the postseason, but no. It seems like with the Western Conference and the NBA and the NFC and the NFL, those two, in spite of what we all expected, are really open for anybody to take it. Yeah, no, I'm not going to – I still stand by my pick. I think that I'm not going to hop off. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I still believe, are going to go to the Super Bowl this year. So, Because in a one game – I mean, you just asked me my opinion. I'm giving you my opinion. I'm not jumping off my train of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Super Bowl pick. That was my preseason pick. I'm sticking on it. Because in a one-game situation, I will f- I will still take Tom Brady in a one-game situation for him to figure it out. You're not and taking still, Brady. <clears throat> taking the Buccaneers. I, I still do – okay. And I still do believe – Justin alluded to it earlier. Six games is more than enough time to get hot. Now, obviously, these injuries can't pile up. But more than enough time to get hot. I, I could see the Bucks getting getting hot, but the thing is, what worries me is there's no games at the end of this schedule that I I feel like, yeah, they're gonna run away with a victory here. I, I think the Saints might give them fits. Uh, I expect an L from San Francisco. I think Cincinnati will give them fits. Arizona is not no easy opponent. I mean, they're showing that they will they will fight in every game. They'll be there to the end. Um, Panthers already beat them once, and they almost lost to the Falcons. Mm, Falcons almost point. came back to beat them. Uh, there is no game going down the stretch that I'm like, absolutely, the Buccaneers are going to run away with that one. And I feel like I need to see that game. I need to see that out of them because you're still throwing out a receiving core of Godwin, Julio, and Mike Evans. You know, they're, they're still potent enough. You give Tom Brady enough protection, that should be more than enough to at least give you 20-plus points in a game. You know, I, I I feel like Tom Brady should be throwing for three hundred with that with that core. It, it just this I don't feel as optimistic about them now. I, again, I, I won't be surprised because of who's under center. I wouldn't be shocked if they if they can make a run in the playoffs because I don't doubt Tom Brady. I, I'll never doubt him. But the NFC is is no walk in the park. San Francisco, Philadelphia, and Dallas. This Dallas team isn't the same one that you played in Week One. You know, so come playoff time, I think uh, the Bucks really need to be rolling in there hot for for me to say, yeah, they're they're going to the Super Bowl because right now my NFC title game is probably Philadelphia versus San Francisco. Oh. Interesting. I've got nothing to say. It's just interesting. Interesting. 
I'm very shocked. I asked, could they make it interesting? And VCAP is sticking with his guns. I respect it. But in my mind, they're going to need a healthy Julio, a healthy Leonard Fournette playing like he did in that Seattle game. And ultimately, I don't trust this team as a whole. And as you guys saw, this Buccaneers team reminds me a ton of, what do you know, Tom Brady's Patriots in 2019, where you don't have that much explosiveness and there's not, not that much consistency. And you kind of do question if it's enough around Brady. Now, talking about a quarterback, right, that is pretty unbelievable, very talented, and a situation filled with a ton of talent. Kyler Murray this week, after their loss, another one, of course. Close one. Came out in his press conference, and I want to pull this up for us. I don't know if you can, and said, schematically, we're kind of effed. And ultimately, he put the blame on everybody but himself. When the reality is this season, I would argue Colt McCoy has been on the same level as Kyler Murray, his backup. And I like to go back to the offseason. It's always fun to look at what the type of investment this franchise put into this player. And we saw Kyler Murray in the offseason issue a very weird statement that seemed like his father wrote it to the team and the public. Basically, it was leaked to the public, uh, which is very bizarre that he would like to be paid. He felt like he had earned it. And his contract provision and his contract details, there was one note that he would have to watch a yay amount of film. And so far this year, he just hasn't played well after having, let's check out his notes, $189 million guaranteed to him over five seasons. My issue with Kyler Murray is he's emotional, he's not coachable, he's a bad teammate, and he's a diva. When you have all four of those things in the leader, and a 25-year-old, it feels like to me, Gather Murray, this is coming from a 19-year-old, just hasn't grown up. It's not that he's not saying the right things. It's that when he's going out there, he's not doing the right things. He hasn't been a leader. Last year in the postseason, he went out with a tail in between his legs after getting dominated by the Rams. He's a decent regular season quarterback, September through November. And he's a fun one, a great one of fantasy football. But for this Cardinals organization, this might be one of the most grim outlooks for any team in football. Because you've invested into this quarterback. It seems like Cliff Kingsbury won't be here after the season, after a 4-8 start. And the worst thing about all of this is, there feels like there's no direction here in AZ. So for both of y'all, I, <laughs> I can't be the only one that says this. I feel like Kyler Murray is a blessing and a curse at the same time. And um, after those losses versus the Chargers, 25-24, close one, another frustrating one. Should the Cardinals, like, is there even a trade market out there for Kyler Murray, as I'm asking you guys? Can they get off of his deal for somebody that kind of resets the entire outlook of his team? Or are they just stuck with Kyler? Most of all, can they win a Super Bowl, Kyler? Do you see that in the future? When they win a Super Bowl with Kyler Murray, I, I can't see it. You know, just because a quarterback has MVP-level talent doesn't necessarily mean that they can lead you to a Super Bowl. I mean, just we've seen it. This Arizona team can get off to hot starts and it goes crashing down right away. It's the same song and dance. I feel like we already know what Kyler Murray is and, and every story is out there. There's a saying, if it walks like a duck and talks like a duck, it's a duck. And that's what Kyler Murray is. He's just a duck. He's not your, uh, he's not going to put you over the edge. He's not going to make that game-saving play 
in the regular season, yeah, he'll make the flashy plays. But when it comes down to it, when you really need him in December to push you to the playoffs, when you need him in January to get you that third and 12 in a playoff game, is he your guy? You know, is he is he in the playbook? Is he working as hard as the other guys? And I mean, it means something when you have a quarterback that's the first guy in, last guy out mentality, uh, a person that can lead by example. That's, like I said earlier in the show, that's the most important position in football. And if you you can't be a leader in that spot, then really what direction is your franchise going in? Right now you're just playing football games just to play football games. So are we saying that not only does Kyler Murray play like a high school football player, but he also acts like a high schooler? Yeah, um, I echo all your guys' sentiments. I mean, there's really not much more. I think Kyler Murray has kind of peaked. I think this is as good as he's going to get, um, which is pretty damn good if we're going to be honest, right? Like, at his best, top 15 quarterback. Definitely not top 10, but, you know, um, 13, 15. MVP-like talents. Eh, I wouldn't go that far, but I understand the electricity is really what yes, you're more referring to. Um but, yeah, he's kind of peaked. I mean, I don't know. Maybe he was more cut out for baseball than he was football. That's not a knock. You could have made a duty. lot Look. more freaking money in baseball if you were that good. That is true. He was, he was, I'm not sure. Jerry, you know they Yeah, and you, and you wouldn't have taken as this much of punishment. Given Kyler's 5'10", to me, he's a complete quarterback. Not just a complete talent, but a complete player. His arm strength, the ability, the accuracy, the mobility, the ability to scramble, he can do so much. But for me, I feel like it's process, it's leading, it's galvanizing your troops. And even with DeAndre Hopkins back in the mix, we saw Hopkins get into him on the sidelines, and Kurt and Murray snapped right back. There is just such a tense relationship here between coach and quarterback, and I just don't think anyone can work with Kyler. Maybe you can bring in a Sean Payton, but I just I don't trust Kyler. And if I were a Cardinal fan... I would want him out of Arizona. Like, what has he done for the city? He hasn't done anything. And they're giving him all this money. I feel like, like you said, B-Camp, we're not going to see him going to Super Bowl, let alone, will Kyler Murray even win a playoff game? I think that's the real question he we should could. ask ourselves. I'm I mean, not sure. Could, I really don't think could, so. He could. I mean, if I was Sean Payton, why the hell would I even want to go near Kyler Murray when Justin Herbert's there or a Dak Prescott is right there? Both much more coachable. And to be honest, I mean, and and again, just John, I'll ask you. So, are you saying intangible? You're saying again. You're saying intangibles are much more important than talent, because Kyler Murray, he's got what you just said. Everything you got, everything. But I pointed at my head for a reason when you were saying that. Does he got it up here? And you said no. The processing's not there. And then, you, does he gotten in here? He hasn't got it in there either. So, you know, go play baseball. You know, if Sean Payton is the head coach, there's certain people that I think can get the best out of players. And Sean Payton is probably the exact kind of guy that Kyler would need to really take that next step. Now, if you told me that that's his head coach in the next five years, for the next five seasons, I would probably change my outlook. Yeah, but Justin, if you're Sean Payton and I offer you Cowboys job, Cardinals job, Chargers job, Cardinal's job is getting dropped instantly. You're not even considering that. I, I totally understand that. But 
we'll, we don't know exactly what's on the table, what will be the offers out there. Uh, I think Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins, that's an appeal. That's, that's a pretty appealing landing spot. Um, Blank check is pretty appealing, too. Well, that's <laughs> Jerry Jones. <laughs> that's true. I, I mean, the Cowboys are in a good spot right now. I don't LA know needs to sell here. tickets, too. Sean Payton, Justin Herbert, that's electric. It'd be nice. Mm-hmm. And offensively, this Cardinals team has so much talent. Marquise yeah. Brown back in the mix, yeah. DeAndre Hopkins, James Conner, Buck 20. Offensively, they can, I think, easily want to play like Ian McKyler. But when you combine together how much he's making with the defense, we've seen development from Isaiah Simmons, but generally speaking, it's a below average defense. I just don't have any faith in them making out the second round. And in this NFC, with high-level coaching and just well-rounded, balanced rosters, we can't put all the blame on Kyler. But he is the leader here, which is why I put so much pressure on him. Because when you're making that kind of money, you are the topic of discussion. And at the end of the day for Arizona, it's because he's making that much and he's not elevating you that that contract undoubtedly is an overpay. Because this should be his prime. This should be the best year of that contract. And and year one of it, or before year one even starts, because he's still in that rookie deal, we're already saying this was a massive mistake, and that's exactly how you know. We were all skeptical of it this offseason. This was a proof of year for Kyler, and he's showing he can't win, he can't carry teams, and most of all, he's going to kind of just falter when there's a lot of pressure on him and things aren't going well. And I wouldn't blame him. He's making a lot of money, but in terms of winning Super Bowls, this guy's never going to live up to what his true potential is. He wouldn't last a day in a Bill Belichick room. Oof. Maybe that's what he needs. Maybe that is what he's looking for. I think Cliff Kingsbury after this year will probably be gone, most likely. I do want to say, I do want to say, yes. I, I, I know we were ragging on Kyler, but we are n- in no way absolving Cliff Kingsbury of any wrongdoing here. He is a bad head coach. He is better off in college or as an offensive coordinator, like I've said many times. He is just as much as fault at Kyler Murray, if not more. Because if I'm not mistaken, he got signed to the massive contract before Kyler Murray. And there were even talks that between, I guess, Cliff and the GM about, I mean, should we pay Kyler Murray? Do we think Kyler Murray has you know, proven himself enough? It's like, Chico, you looked at yourself in the mirror lately? What the hell have you proven in the NFL, Cliff Kingsbury? Mr. what, 500 record in, what was, in college or under five? Like, get the, that. That's whack if that if those reports were true. But yeah, Cliff Kingsbury is going to be out the door. He's got to go. Uh, you know, it'd be a hell of a swap. It never happened. Aaron Rodgers for Kyler Murray. Mm. Aaron Rodgers makes you instant Super Bowl contenders. Kyler can't play in that cold. No, nah, he can't. But I'm just saying, it never happened. But what a swap. And like you said before, you know, Cliff Kingsbury, he's not missing the reads that Kyler's missing out there. Maybe it's because of his height. Maybe it's because of his process. But uh. Cliff was brought in to lead elite offenses and maximize Kyler, and it doesn't feel like he quite has maximized. In the air raid offense, it worked early, but teams feel like they catch on to it later in the year. Kyler gets banged up, he comes back in, and he's just not doing enough to win games against high-level quarterbacks. With all that being said, guys, Najee Harris left this game versus the Colts with an abdominal injury, and in the second half, the Steelers' offense has gone nowhere. So it's, um, this is a very, how on earth did the Raiders lose to this team, this Colts team? I this this Colts team is an absolute train wreck, and that's respectfully. I like their defensive pieces; it's very good defense. But offensively, 
they should be so much better than what they are. They should be producing with Jonathan Taylor. Um, they have, yeah, they, maybe it's the offensive coordinator. Probably that, that's getting no experience. Before we wrap up, uh, we never got to give, uh, we'll tip our caps to the new king of New York, Mike White. What happened, <laughs> Justin? Mike White showed out on Sunday, man. Showed out. 315 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Garrett Wilson went off for, for 95 and two touchdowns. Elijah Moore found himself back in the end zone, his first touchdown of the season. I think uh, the Jets are going to roll with Michael White. I think Zach Wilson, I think my, he might be done with the Jets. This might be it. Bye-bye. Good riddance. <laughs> Don't let the door hit you on the way out. I saw a meme that Zach Wilson is the Mormon Manziel. And it's a, <laughs> it's a pretty God, accurate representation of what he's been so far in the league. Last time Mike White played in 2021, he threw uh, four picks. And this game from him was pretty straightforward. The offense runs better. And the defense, you know, surprisingly, they didn't play uh, their best game against the Bears with no Justin Fields, but they did play only held to 10 points. For Mike White, it's very clear he's going to end the season as the Jets quarterback. Even if he struggles his next couple of weeks, the team's going to respond better. And with Zach, he needs to take some time off. And my biggest issue with the Jets simply is, for as much as I like the clown on Zach Wilson, the Colts just took the lead against the Steelers. The biggest gripe I have in football is throwing a quarterback out there too soon. I talked about before how the Packers won't give Jordan Love a chance. And that's, you know, the other side of the scale where you've tipped it in the other direction. You want to get the right level. And for the Jets, when they drafted Zach Wilson, there was no Joe Flacco there to mentor him. He came into a quarterback room with no experience, a defensive-minded head coach, and an experienced offense, a new offensive coordinator. And for a kid that, look, before his junior year at BYU, he had played nobody. Let's keep that in mind. He was barely fighting for that starting job. It took him three years to earn it. Has one breakout season. And now we're throwing him out there in the NFL. Like, he's going to be ready. Of course, Zach Wilson was not going to be very good early on. Now, has he made things worse by saying all the wrong things off the field? Sure he has. But I feel like for this Jets organization, we've seen him do it with Mark Sanchez, Geno Smith, to a lesser degree, and Sam Darnold. Why not have a quarterback sit for four to six weeks behind a veteran? We saw it with Justin Fields when he was sitting behind Andy Dalton. Lamar Jackson when he was sitting behind Justin Fields. These young quarterbacks are going to get their growing pains out some at some point, right? But wouldn't it be better to let them get some mental reps, see somebody else run their offense before they're just thrown out there to the Wolves? Because for some guys, it just doesn't make much sense. They're not going to be ready, and it's better off to maximize that investment by putting them in the best possible position. And I feel like for this Jets team, they've done it again and again with different regimes. Why are we rushing this quarterback out there? We know he's not NFL ready. Now for Zach Wilson, it feels like it's too late. Sure, you've benched him, but we've all known for a while now, this is not the guy in New York. Even though he's shown the flashes and the skill set, it's a simple reality. He's just not an NFL quarterback. For the Shets team, it seems like 7-4, they're playing some of their best football defensively, and they have a handful of stars in that end. I think this is the first time since 2010, Bren, they make the playoffs and get this. The Patriots missed the playoffs. That's kind of crazy. To end the season, the Jets have. Okay. Fortunately, no, no Patriots. 
that's be, that's the good news here. That would actually be the first time since 2008 when Matt Castle was the quarterback, but it's not here nor there. Um, the last five games are against the Vikings. This upcoming week on the road. Buffalo, last six games, excuse me. Detroit, Jacksonville, Seattle, yeah. and Miami. I think they win three of those six games. Finish the season 10-7. and seven. That's fine. They're still getting bounced in the first round. It doesn't really matter. Um, we took care of. We, we, it matters I mean, for listen, a team that hasn't made the playoffs listen, in years. Listen, I mean, mean listen, we still, we still own the New York Jets. Yeah. Did you think, Brent? Did you think coming to the season the Jets would win more than seven games? I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't care. I don't. What if I don't care? In the first week of September, they would make the playoffs. They would okay. have a top five defense. Robert Sala will look like the guy. Sauce Gordon will be a top five court corner. And Quinn Williams will be arguably a top three player in his position. Top one player. Mm-hmm. Okay. They're ahead of schedule, my man. And for your Patriots. Yeah, yeah. They don't got a quarterback. They don't got a quarterback. Patriots don't have talent offensively. Ooh, how about that? The Jets are going to get Bruce Hall back. Bruce Hall is their best offensive player. They're going to get two of their best offensive linemen back. And Mekhi Becton and Elijah Vera Tucker, who are still younger and getting better. And with Garrett no. Wilson, we've seen what Garrett Wilson can do with Mike White this last week. Played no. so much better. So you see all this talent, all the young players blossoming in the Jets offense and a defense that is elite. Dude, it's time to get excited for New York football. They found the head coaches. They're building the rosters. And with currently, I don't think Daniel Jones is the guy, and I surely don't think Mike White is the guy. They're going to have another opportunity to find that quarterback, whether it may be training for a veteran or going out and getting in the draft. Either way, I think each of those two franchises are in their best possible situation, like two decades almost, a decade and a half. We haven't seen the Jets with this much promise, and this is just the beginning for them. You know, even if they if this team got bounced in the first round, I got to say, Brandon, it means a lot. It means a ton to a franchise. I mean, and even for us, last season, we got to the postseason with Mac Jones. We got bounced in the first round. That still meant something. It was like, okay. Yo, we, there's some optimism here, and I think that's exactly what's happening for the Jets, and that's exactly what's happening with the Giants. You have a chance to make the playoffs, which you haven't done in years. There's reason to be optimistic, and I don't know what the future is looking like for the Jets. That's Zach what I'm saying. So what, what, it's what, clearly what, not Zach Wilson. This is... It makes the situation, this spot, a lot more appealing to a frustrated quarterback that may or may not want to get out of their spot. Yeah, but, so, again, but what what's the what's Imagine. the this is short-term optimism because this isn't long-term optimism because you don't know who the, sure? hell the quarterback. Yes, you don't know who the quarterback is. But their general manager has hit on basically every pick but the quarterback. He's found the head coach, Robert Salas. So a congratulations. Great job this you won a couple scratch offs, but you couldn't hit the big one. That's really what you just said to me. Great job. Um, Are they ahead of schedule? No, they're not because they don't have a quarterback. If you're not scared, then that shouldn't be your biggest moment of the season. I'm not scared. All that being said. My biggest moment of the season was beating the Pittsburgh Steelers. And staying to the very end of episode number 53 here. Episode number 54. Sorry. Otherwise, guys, podcast. That was too much pages talk for me to think straight. And as always, I'll see you. We'll see you next time. Stay classy.